Hey, yo. You know what's ridiculous? The notion that Aaron Rodgers is going to return extremely early from a crippling injury because he's superhuman. Because he's Aaron Rodgers and a mere Achilles tear will not slow him down. He's throwing the ball already. And all the New York Jets fans like Mike Greenberg are wetting their pants. Somebody said on Twitter just now that ESPN between 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. is like Jerry Springer. That's not a bad call. Nick Wright of Fox, I think he got it right. He said that Rodgers is cosplaying, pretending he's healthy to get attention. And I say if Rodgers does come back early, maybe he was never hurt that bad at all. Because that's exactly the kind of nutjob conspiracy nonsense Rodgers would cosplay for attention and to come out the tunnel like Willis Reed. Aaron Rodgers is a really bad guy. He's Donald Trump in cleats. He says absolute disinformation and not enough people call him on it. And he's got a weekly national platform on ESPN for his nuttiness, which is mind-boggling. And let's tell it like it is. Pat McAfee never once calls him out for his stupidity. He's just glad to have Aaron there. In fact, he's paying him for it. So I don't believe any of this crap for a minute. I don't believe Aaron Rodgers is going to play again this season. And you got Greeny on TV screaming, he is risen. He is risen. Yeah, I'll tell you what else is risen. This segment brought to us by 84 Lumber, dynasty partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, ESPN between 8 a.m. and 2 p.m., I've just seen enough. I've just seen enough. It's Jerry Springer. It really is. It's the six hours of nonstop yelling and mugging. Uh, I remember when... Chris Berman was the only guy who did that. Not like everybody there does that. And Rodgers is just a piece of crap. I don't care how great a quarterback he is. He's a piece of crap. Just a guy I wouldn't trust to wash my car. If he told me that the sun was shining, I'd take an umbrella when I left the house. Again, not to be critical. 412-333-WXDX. Uh, I've lately, because ESPN's so bad, in the morning I've taken to watching MASH reruns. And Colonel Flagg, remember him? He's such a great character. The bumbling, super serious CIA guy. And one reason I like Colonel Flagg is because the episode has to be all comedy when he's in it. MASH did too much drama especially after Henry and Trapper were gone. Um, Want your thoughts on that ESPN list for hockey, although I don't give it any credibility. But if you're just tuning in, Gino's not on a list or even on honorable mention for the NHL's top 100 players, according to ESPN.com. Sid's 23, below Tim Stutzel at 21. Carlson's 41, below a bunch of defensemen who he beat out for best defenseman in the league last year, thus winning the Norris Trophy. Latang's number 56, which is way too low. 
Jake's number 71, below Tyler Toffoli at 65. It's just absolute idiocy. ESPN shouldn't cover hockey at all. Well, that's not true because Bouchergrass is great and Levy's great. Linda Cohn's great. But their coverage on the dot-com, and really a lot of their coverage, period, and a lot of their non-coverage because it never gets mentioned between 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. during the six hours of nonstop yelling and mugging, but I've always thought that's probably good for hockey. Let's go to Brian in New Brighton. Brian, you're on with Double M. Good day. I said good day. Uh, I originally called, I have a Pittsburgh uh, a Steeler comment, but I, I have a question about what you were just talking about with the Penguins. It, it, I, I have a sense in, from playing, watching hockey all my life that there always has been a bias against the Penguins in Pittsburgh. Is there a reason for that, or well, do you have that I, same I, No, sense? honestly, I don't think this is a bias. I just think it's absolute stupidity. I bet this dope who put the list together, I bet he's saying today, oh, man, we forgot about Malkin. Because hey, I've never been Gino's biggest booster, and I've always said to consider him and Sid in the same class as ludicrous. But I'm sure he's in the top 100 players of all time, and the NHL effed him on that. And I'm sure he's among the top 100 players now, and ESPN.com effed him on that. But even back in the day, I feel that Lemieux never really got his fair due when it comes to the national media. They they always talked about Gretzky yeah, or Messier or some. Um, but I just feel like they no, don't, always don't kid like, yourself. Had, had it a... was wrong, and I hated it. But Mario knows when Mario didn't get MVP in 1989 when he got 199 points, and it was like what 43 points more than Gretzky, and they were all goals. It was because Mario was French. And they were, and the Canadian writers were going to not vote for the French guy when the English idol had transformed hockey in Los Angeles. Let me tell you, if you're around hockey and you don't think the French thing and the American thing and the any place but Ontario and Western Canada thing, if you don't think that still crops up, you're out of your mind. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh the, the Steeler thing, though, it, it goes back into the from me from the Roonies and the culture, the complacency. Whenever you have somebody that has a lifelong contract that you're not going, that doesn't ever feel like they're on the hot seat or isn't going to ever. Well, you get see, to that this point. this isn't a matter of Tomlin being on the hot seat or him having a lifetime contract. It's just that he's a bad coach, and he's been a bad coach for a lot longer than he ever was a good coach, if indeed he ever was a good coach. Maybe he won that Super Bowl because he inherited somebody else's Super Bowl team. Maybe he won that Super Bowl because he inherited somebody else's very solid culture and his leader's most important. I, I, I think Mike Tomlin well, is probably an average coach. If you look at the actual work he's done and what he's actually done, he's an average coach at best. I agree with that, but my my point goes to that, though, is when you hand over the the entire keys to the castle to an average coach that knows that they can't, they're not going to get fired, it doesn't, there's no reason for him to change. Hey, let's be he honest, that let's be day, honest, the owner ain't real bright now either. You know what they say about the third generation of a family business? Well, yeah. I'm yeah, smart. I, I, I can do stuff. Not like people say. Let's go to Joe and Carnegie. Hey, Mark, how's it going? What up? Uh, just a question. How how far out do you think the Steelers are from being Super Bowl contenders? And could they Real far. Common, or they really, really out? far. How far do you think they're out? 
I say six, seven years at least. Oh, okay, now if you say six, seven years, that means you don't know because nobody in, in the NFL can predict six, seven years ahead. Correct. I don't know. Right. I'm just seeing if you have like an idea, you know, if, if it's it. I, I don't think Ken, I don't think Kenny Pickett will ever win a playoff game as the Steelers' quarterback. I agree, a hundred percent. He's terrible. Well, right now he is, and I don't dismiss the possibility of him improving. But I do dismiss the possibility of him improving enough. Thank you for the call. 412-333-WXDX, the number to call. Uh, it was a weird week for the NFL. We'll talk about that just around the corner. And we got Mike DeFabo from The Athletic up ne- up at the bottom of the hour on 105.9. The loose talk. Hmm? Hmm? I like it. I like it. VX at 105.9. It was a weird week for the NFL uh, this past cycle of games, only seven teams out of 32 scored more than 20 points. And only two teams scored more than 30 points. Miami, of course, and Jacksonville did too. That's weird in such a high-scoring era. The Steelers need to hope it continues because they can barely score at all. Now, of course, is when the Steelers traditionally start to play better. If they do, then that 3-2 and two start will turn out to have been a good start. I think they can make the playoffs if they win three of the next four. And considering that they play at L.A. and then the three after that are at home, that's attainable if they can score some points. But uh, I think the low scoring in the NFL this past weekend, and I think it's evident in the league for the entire season so far, there aren't very many good quarterbacks, and the quarterback play isn't very good. You you look at a guy like Dak Prescott. He's been considered a good quarterback for how many years? He's not a good quarterback. I'm sorry, he just isn't a good quarterback. The New York Giants went out and spent all that money on Danny Dimes. I thought maybe they should. Turns out it should. They shouldn't. He's not a good quarterback. There aren't very many good quarterbacks in this league, period. If you have any kind of discerning opinion on what the word good means. Let's go to Mike in Bethel Park. Mike, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. Uh, as long as I've been alive, we've never celebrated mediocrity here in Pittsburgh the way we do now with this Mike Tomlin situation. Do you think that has anything to and do not, with And not only with the Mike Tomlin situation, but with the attitude of the fans, too. Absolutely. Do you think it has anything to do with him not wanting to admit that maybe Nagy is not what he thought he was, that that's why he's still starting over Jalen Warren, because I cannot fathom why. I, I can name much worse coaching decisions made by Tomlin than continuing to play Nagy over Warren. Uh, I think not playing Broderick Jones this coming week is a worse decision. I think not starting Joey Porter is a worse decision. I think not using any of the rookies more than he has is a bad decision. I just think he's an awful coach. I, I like Right now, I can't even apply the word, well, you know, we disagree on some things, but yada, yada. No, he's a bad coach. I mean, he makes bad roster decisions, bad lineup decisions. Look at Akello Witherspoon. Akello Witherspoon sucked here. He's in L.A. now, the Rams, and people are talking about how great he is. I mean, just from top to bottom, it's a failing organization. Mostly because of the coach, but not just because of the coach. Let's go to Mike in Newcastle. Mike, you're on with Mark. How you doing, man? Good. 
quick question. Okay, that was a quick question. 412-333-WXDX. Up next, going to talk with Mike DeFabo of The Athletic. I can't get over that top 100 NHL list. But then again, that just betrays how lazy compiling a list is. Whenever you see a list, whenever you see a Mount Rushmore, anything that has bullet points, rankings one through whatever, that's lazy. That is a substitute for doing actual work. And I get it because people talk about it like I am now, but it's just lazy. Uh, all right, DeFable up next, 105.9. I think Coach T is making some questionable decisions. Joining me now to talk about it. He covers the Steelers for the Athletic. It's great to speak with Mike DeFabo. Mike, it looks like Moore is back in starting at left tackle, and Porter won't start at cornerback. I just don't see how that can be justified. No, I agree with you, Mark, especially when it comes to the left tackle situation. I think you could have talked yourself into uh, sticking with Dan Moore because of the fact they played the gauntlet early on in the season. He didn't allow a, a sack. But you look at some of the underlying numbers, like some of the pressures, and he's allowed some of the most pressures in the entire league. And then you compare that with the way that Broderick Jones performed, um, and he was very solid in pass protection, I think had no issues whatsoever, and yet they're turning back to Moore. Um, I just don't understand it because you have a first-round pick. You drafted him for a reason. It was an area of need, an area that you needed to upgrade. At a minimum, you need to give this guy reps so that he can prepare and be ready for next season, and they're just not doing that right now. What's the reasoning to go with Moore over Jones? Is it just that veteran loyalty, which apparently only means something in Pittsburgh and no place else in the league? Well, that's one reason that I can think of. The other thing is, I guess, that the, if they're thinking about who is going to give us the best opportunity to beat the L.A. Rams, I guess they feel like Dan Moore has done more and proven to them that he can do it. But I'm not sure, so sure that that's true. I mean, you just look back at the way that uh, Broderick Jones performed against the Ravens. You look at some of his stats, and he was rock solid. So even if you're trying to say, well, we don't care about next year. We're playing to win right now. I'm still not sure that Dan Moore's the answer there. I've been told they don't think Porter can tackle well enough, but A, neither can Peterson and Wallace, and B, at least Porter can cover. That's the job for a cornerback in today's league to cover. Everything else is way ancillary. Right, right. It's it's not like they have a guy who's a great tackler. Like, in general, cornerbacks are not known for tackling. A 33-year-old cornerback like Patrick Peterson is, is especially not going to be known for his tackling. So it's completely true that there are questions about Joey's tackling. I mean, I remember during training camp, they busted out an open field tackling drill, and I think Joey whiffed on it two or three times, and it was really eye-opening. So that 100% is an area that needs to be improved upon. But as you're mentioning, you know, Levi Wallace gave up two 65-plus yard touchdowns so far this season um, because he was, you know, not in the right spot to make the tackle. So if Levi Wallace can miss the tackle, Joey Porter can be in there and also miss the tackle. Staying with cornerbacks, why does Akello Witherspoon leave Pittsburgh where he sucked and go to the L.A. Rams and excel? What's that tell us? Yeah, that's a little bit surprising for sure. I think some of it had to do with health. Um, Witherspoon, practically the entire season, was dealing with a hamstring injury last year. He returned just in time to basically get torched and lose his job against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think that that was the illuminating moment for the Steelers where they realized, 
hey, the, we have multiple different options and none of them are working. Um, I also think some of it might have to do with scheme. I know that the Rams have subtly changed the way that they play defense, and they're uh, encouraging their guys to be more physical at the line of scrimmage, which is kind of some of the same things the Steelers do and part of his DNA. But it, it definitely is surprising that the guy that was cast out and not good enough is going somewhere else and having success. What should be done at running back, Mike? Because I have minimal faith in Jalen Warren as an undrafted free agent, but Harris's numbers just aren't good. Well, I think the fact that we're even having this discussion is part of the problem. Like, um, you know, I know there's going to be a time when Najee wants to be paid like one of these top backs, and there's all this question about how you should value them. But the fact that we're even comparing an undrafted guy like Jalen Warren to a first-round draft pick like Najee Harris that sums up this whole conversation, you know, that, that the fact that you're even having this conversation shows that there's not a dramatic difference and that Najee's not a game-changing running back or not proven it to this point. So, um, you know, I think, that, I think that we've made this a discussion of Najee or uh, Jalen, but I think it needs to be an and there. And I think that the Steelers would be much better off if they're having success with both of the running backs. And, and right now, even though we're kind of fixated on trying to split hairs and decide which one deserves the carries, neither one of them is producing nearly what they should. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the offensive line. Like, the Steelers are a third of their carries are going for zero or negative yards. And when Kenny Pickett or Matt Keenan are talking about the play that sets them behind the chains, more often than not, it seems like it's one of those running plays. We're talking to Mike DeFabo of The Athletic here on The X. Well, you brought up Pickett's name, and I... I still think he's getting a free pass in a lot of ways. I think he's been, put it this way, nowhere near his draft pedigree. No, he's not playing like a first-round pick right now. Um, I think that that's for sure. I think that he has to dramatically improve. You know, the, the same things, again, that we continue to highlight, things like his pocket management leaving the pocket too early, his inaccuracy, um, you know, I think that sometimes he has receivers open when he drops back in, the, in his very first read, and I think he's slow to to pull the trigger and to take that opportunity on his first read. I think those are all things I'd like to see him continue to improve upon, and, and I get it. Like, I'm among the, the group of people that believe that he's hamstrung by the offensive coordinator, but I'm also in the group of people that, that believes that he has the, the ball in his hand, he's the quarterback of the football team, and and he's not doing nearly enough to help them win games right now. What does Deontay's return do? Uh, because I didn't realize how much he meant to the team until he was out. Yeah, I, I think that the biggest thing is, uh, Mike Tomlin mentioned today, he's an elite route runner. And so what that's going to do for the Steelers is definitely hope, help open up some of these underneath routes and open up the underneath part of the field. And, you know, while George Pickens has evolved, he still is to a degree uh, a guy that gets the majority of his, of his production with the go ball. And to a degree, a bit of a one trick pony in that regard. Last year, there wasn't a receiver in the league that ran more go routes than George Pickens. So while he's diversified his route tree, he's still not a complete wide receiver and he's not a receiver that even you would want to run all these underneath routes. So getting Deontay back and also getting Pat Fryermuth back, you know, that gives Kenny Pickett uh, an option for some of these underneath routes, opens up more, takes some pressure off of George Pickens so he's not doubled as much, and really just opens up the offense in a variety of ways. The only thing I wonder about Deontay's return is what happens if Pickens gets less targets? He might get better targets, but he might get less targets. Yeah, it's true. I mean, um, 
I guess the way I'll explain it is George is a very competitive guy, so we, <laughs> shall we say? I'll say. <laughs> and um, obviously he wants to get his. So that will be a situation here where, like, if if the offense again is struggling and, again, they're spinning their wheels and instead of forcing the ball to George Pickens a couple times, it's going to Deontay, you know, that's not a good situation um, for sure. So, you know, hopefully the Steelers could stay out of that because things could go sour. Why hasn't Micah Fitzpatrick had more tangible impact so far? And, Mike, I'm not saying he's playing bad. I just don't see plays being made per se. Right. I mean, I think people are used to Minka, you know, picking up footballs, returning them for touchdowns, intercepts, intercepting passes. Uh, to this point in the season, he has yet to intercept a pass. That's five games. Going back to last year, it's six games. I think a lot of it has to do with how they're deploying him. And so they like to run that three safety concept. And in a lot of instances where that's putting Minka is near the line of scrimmage in the box and aligned in the slot over a tight end. And because of that, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. On one hand, George Kittle did not kill the Steelers. Mark Andrews did not kill the Steelers. They've really kind of minimized these tight ends. And historically, uh, Mike Tomlin teams have really struggled against the tight end. So they found on one hand, they found a solution there, and it's Minka. On the other hand, you're taking one of your best players and playmakers out of the equation by putting him in the box so often. So, you know, I think I pulled up the numbers that it's um, about a third of the time he's aligned in the slot over a tight end compared to about, I think it was about 12% last year. So that shows the increase. More than double he's doing that. So they have changed the way they're using him. So putting him at middle field safety would allow him to ball hawk, and he'd definitely produce more splash plays. But you also might have tight ends hurting you more. So it's kind of a give and take there and a little bit of a balance. Um, and I'm not sure what the right solution is. Maybe playing him middle field a little bit more. But also, you know, as, as bad as they are historically at minimizing tight ends, this might be the answer. And let me play devil's advocate here, Mike. Uh they're still getting splash plays. They have a ton of sacks. They have five interceptions, none by Minka. Maybe it's okay the way it is if you're looking for splash plays. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think that it'll change based on opponent, too. Like, um, you know, against a team that likes to that's going to hurt you with their tight ends, I, I'm thinking for some reason of the Tennessee Titans, I think they run two tight end formations more than almost anybody else. Maybe that's an instance where you put Minka in the box. But when you're playing against, say, uh, maybe this week is an opportunity where Minka can play a little bit more center field because the Rams are a team that does not feature the tight end quite as much, and they're more of an 11 personnel, traditional three-receiver set type team. Are the L.A. Rams similar to the Steelers, Mike? Uh, an average team with a few standout players? Yeah, I mean, they're interesting because they're in transition. I mean, I think last year they were basically doing a fire sale, trying to get rid of all their best assets on purpose. Um, and they've definitely taken a unique approach to team building where they basically say, screw the picks, let's trade the picks and get great players, and then trade those players and, and reacquire the picks. So definitely a different approach. Um, I think for the Steelers, the biggest guy that I'm concerned with is Cooper Cup. And, and the reason for that is the Steelers' secondary has been shaky throughout this year, and they've especially struggled to limit legitimate number one receiving threats. Like, you can go back, and Amari Cooper, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Devontae Adams, all these top wide receivers have had, if not their best game of the season, their best game of the season against the Steelers. And now all of a sudden the Steelers go up against Cooper Cup that you know he's a high-volume wide receiver. They've also um, added that, that rookie, uh, 
and, and uh, he's also uh, a dynamic threat in the passing game. So, you know, I think that that maybe is the matchup that tells the story here is how much can the Steelers limit Cooper Cup, limit the receiving threats of the Rams, or are those guys going to have their way with what's been an inconsistent Steelers secondary this season? Who's going to cover Coop, Cooper Cup? We know it won't be Joey Porter. No, and, and here's part of it as well with the Steelers. You know, there have been times in the past when they've had a guy who can shadow and, and who can um, travel. And in his in his past, Patrick Peterson was that guy at various points in his career. He's not that guy anymore. So um, what they're, the Steelers are going to allow the Rams to do is basically dictate who they would prefer to go against because they're going to run left cornerback, right cornerback. Um, and so – you know, what we saw Houston do, for example, is in the red zone, they like to try to pick on Levi Wallace, and that was their preferred target. And they knew that if they, you know, came out in a certain formation, they were going to get the match that they wanted. So really the answer to that question probably is in Sean McVay's hands more than anybody else's. Who's going to block Aaron Donald? Nobody. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because <laughs> I don't think he's quite the force he had been, Mike. Not because, Well, he's 32, but also they got nobody else. So you see him doubled and tripled all the time. That said, I'm still not sure the Steelers got enough for him. Right, right. Yeah, I'm kind of joking there, but also, um, you know, I believe it, that I think that this guy is such a game-wrecking force, you're going to have to dedicate multiple people to him. You know, sometimes it's going to be multiple linemen. Sometimes it's going to be running backs chipping. Jalen Warren is going to have a big hand in that. Um, tight end staying in. Darnell Washington. So, you know, it's going to be a range of people. Um, and, I, I mean, I was watching something the other day. They said it's like if you're a great corner, you're on an island and you're by yourself. But if you're a great defensive lineman, you've got all the attention on you and more people coming at you. That's going to be the case with Aaron Donald. Does this strike you as a game the Steelers need to win if they're going to make the playoffs? I don't think there's a ton of wiggle room. And, boy, if they were 4-2 and two heading into three straight home games, I think that would do a great service. Well, I mean, I think every game is critical in the NFL, but here's the way I'll answer that question. I mean, the Steelers went into the bye feeling good about themselves atop the AFC North. They wake up from the bye week. All of a sudden, they've been leapfrogged by the Baltimore Ravens, who are now 4-2. and two. The Cleveland Browns just knocked off the unbeatable 49ers, and they had probably the league's best defense leading the way to that win. And then all of a sudden, the, the Cincinnati Bengals have worked their way back to 500. They've got a bye week. If Joe Burrow gets healthy, they might be the most dangerous team in the division. So you just look at what happened around the Steelers during this bye week. This is a very competitive division. You can't afford to lose games. So, yeah, I, I really do feel like this is another one of those key games for the Steelers where it's a winnable game against an opponent that's kind of been up and down and inconsistent. Uh, these are the type that you have to have if you're going to prove that you are above the pack, you're more than just a, uh, an average team, and you're a legitimate playoff contender. Mike, great stuff as always. Enjoy the game, and we will do it again next week. Sounds great, Mark. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. That's Mike DeFable. He's brought to us by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at the Steelers Pro Shop at shop.steelers.com. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. we got no more guests, so get your calls in. Um, the Olympics have added some new sports. One of them greatly amuses me. We'll talk about that in just a moment on 105.9. Interesting story. Britney Spears wrote in, I guess, her new book that 20 years ago she was pregnant by Justin Timberlake and she had an abortion because Timberlake didn't want to be a father. 
Okay, but it's your decision. I'm not saying she made the wrong one, but uh, I don't know. that that Not sure that puts Timberlake in a good light. Then again, with our anything goes morality, probably don't matter at all. That said, I am pro-choice. For sure. For sure. Pro-choice. It just sounds to me like Britney Spears let Justin Timberlake make her choice. Uh, unusual exchange today on, on uh, the Stephen A. Smith show, which I didn't watch because I don't and I won't. But uh, this was uh, on a Twitter, uh, an X post. Pat McAfee was on and Stephen A. Smith said anybody who doesn't like Pat's alliance with Aaron Rodgers should kiss Pat's ass. Okay. That's good TV. And then Stephen A. Smith said that uh, anybody in the media would want that opportunity to have Aaron Rodgers on for a regular segment. No, I wouldn't. I can tell you that for sure. I don't blame Pat for doing it, but I just would not. I would not give a bully pulpit to one of the world's biggest idiots who spreads dangerous disinformation about stuff like the vaccine. You, you don't want to get vaxxed, don't get vaxxed. I don't care about that. But, uh, you know, wanting to debate Travis Kelsey, you know what that is by Aaron Rodgers, don't you? Aaron Rodgers feels left out because Travis Kelsey's getting so much publicity for Dayton Taylor Swift, so he wants to get a little piece of that by invoking Travis Kelsey's name and getting Travis Kelsey to talk about it, that that Vax thing. So, uh, but back to my original point, absolutely not. I would not want a regular segment with Aaron Rodgers under absolutely no circumstances. I'd have him on once because I would then ask him honest questions and retort honestly to the stuff he says. But I would not, let alone pay Aaron Rodgers to be a regular on my show. If you have a really good show, you don't need that. I mean, not that Pat doesn't have a good show, although it's not what I would want it to be given my guidance, but Pat makes a billion dollars. What's he care what I think? But uh, I just think the host makes the show, period. And I think even in this very small market, I have proven that time and again. Uh they added a bunch of new sports to the Summer Olympics. They brought back baseball, which, of course, is going to make Major League Baseball consider and probably do so. They'll take a break in the middle of their season to accommodate the Olympics, which is stupid. Hockey decided better of it after a while, but they're going to do it for sure. And they also added flag football. There's going to be flag football and it occurred to me that, that boy, who would want to see that? How'd that happen? Why not ball hockey? You know, my uh, recreational game of choice. But then it got announced that ex-NFL players are going to participate in flag football. Okay, that'll be really good. Let's try out uh, ex-NFL players to represent America in what should be a hotly contested game against, say, the Czech Republic. Do you really need ex-NFL players to, to accomplish? I mean, yeah, it's PR, it's media, blah, 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 but uh, it, it's just dumb. 
And I've seen really good flag football teams for the Post-Gazette years ago. I covered, they had the National Flag Football Championships out in Penn Hills. And a Penn Hills team, I forget if they won it that year or another year. They were called Hippo's Pup. They had an ex-North Catholic High School quarterback, Joe Marks, I think his name was, playing uh, for Hippos, and he was great. And Tommy Flynn from Penn Hills and Pitt and the NFL, he was actually between NFL jobs, and he played for Hippos, but he wasn't the best player on Hippos. There are better flag football players out there than ex-NFL players would necessarily be. But it's about the cameras and publicity, and uh, they've even ruined the Olympics to some extent. 412-333-WXDX. But, hey, you just want to talk about the Steelers, and they're going to win, and then they're going to win three straight home games, and then they're going to be 7-2, and two, and then they're going to win the division and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's what I hate about the Steelers, because I listen to a lot of talk radio because I'm driving around. I hate that we talk about the same stuff about the Steelers all the time. Like Matt Canada, I've beaten the Joey Porter Jr. and Broderick Jones not starting thing to death. It's been Najee versus Jalen for weeks. Uh, the one thing we don't talk about is that Kenny Pickett sucks, but we're not allowed to. He does, though. And then there's, uh, I, I heard on one show, and people have tried to do one on this show, spreading rumors about Kenny Pickett's personal life. It's like Cordell back when, or, uh, you know, Ben when it was, when, when nothing happened and that was decided. You know, you just can't have nice things. You just want to turn everything into crap. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I get I get less enamored with this town every day and more enamored with the strong possibility of Conneaut Lake. 412-333-WXDX. I got some pens talk in just a moment. And where's the list? Who made the list? I can't find it. Oh, oh, this is Pitt Football Talk. You'll like it. 105.9 The X.